0: It was such a blast and pleasure to catch up with a local boy here in the Pacific Northwest. Matthew Boyd is a left-handed pitcher, a southpaw, a really talented pitcher. In fact, he is the Pitchers and Catchers Report uh, at this time here in February as we launch this episode of Above and Beyond. He's about to go to camp as the number one pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. And howdy, I have felt it every time we get a baseball player in here to share their story, their journey, their faith. I just feel your glow. I mean, you just so enjoy the baseball world.
1: It's just so fun. Their perspective and the way the game is played, it's my favorite sport too. It's just really cool to hear Matt's story. And one of the things that I loved in this is he talked a lot about signs, you know, and signs are signs. a big deal. <laughs> signs are a big deal in baseball. Is it? Some people are trying to steal them. But uh, I think a lot of times in our faith, we're looking for signs. We're looking for signs of where we should go next and what we should do. And I think Matt's story brings a lot of that, of just looking for signs and seeing them and following them, knowing that he's going to do his best to follow his call.
0: Yeah, I know in my life, Howdy, or in my life and in your life, Howdy, and so many of you out there that are listening to this, that are consuming this above and beyond, and we are. Howdy and I are so thankful for you to, uh, to tune into us, to find these episodes. I love them. Every time we finish, I look at you and I'm like, man. I love doing these, these are so fulfilling, but I know you know, and those of you, many of you listening right now know, like what is, how do I discern, right? That's kind of the spiritual word or the religious word you'll hear. How do I discern God's will for my life? How do I know? What door do I go through? When do I make that decision? How do I go about that process? You're gonna love this time, with a young guy that's got incredible discernment, wonderful wisdom, a heart that's chasing after God, doing amazing things around the world, Here's Lefty Matthew Boyd.
2: Did we go Matt or Matthew? Um, gosh, whichever. Matt's fine.
0: Matt's fine. Yeah, that's
2: yeah. I, it says Matthew on there, and that's just because my mom wanted it. Oh, you <laughs> like it was always Matt Boyd, and it said like, hometown Bellevue, Washington, and it was like my dad's like, you're from Mercer Island, and my mom's like, you know, it's like your name's Matthew. I was like, I, don't, I never put it down there. So I told them. I told. I went to. The, I went to like our SI, like sports information guy, right? Like whoever it is, our yeah. PR guy. I was like, "Hey, is there any way we can change like the uh, my name to to Matthew just on the roster? I don't care what you call me over the loud or on TV." And they said, "Yeah, sure, we'll change it to Matthew." And so I change it. And there's like a, a tiger organization-wide. Like Matt wants to go by Matthew from here forward. <laughs> so then, like you know, the little like the third string PR people are like, "Um, Mr. Matthew, can we get?" I'm like. Oh, gosh. Like, you guys think I'm some pompous guy that just, like, <laughs> yes. call me by my full knit? Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah,
0: so. That's yeah. where it all starts? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have something in common yeah. with a former Seattle quarterback. Do you know that? I do. Yes, you do. By sharing that story with me, you and Hasselback. <laughs> because his mom was the same way. No way. His mom's like, I would really appreciate it if they would call you Matthew. <laughs> and so some of the people called him Matthew. He could have really cared less, but uh, yeah. his mom. Uh, if she's listening to this, she may, I know Matt's <laughs> wife listens to these podcasts, yeah. but they, uh, yeah, Matthew, it's the same thing. It was mom, mom's no best.
2: Yeah, that's so funny. Exactly. Mom's no best.
0: Was that biblical? Was yeah. that a Matthew? Yes. It was. Yes, it was.
2: Yeah. That's just my, my, uh, my parents just, you know, uh, felt a calling that way. And, uh, yeah.
0: So you grew up, would you say, would you characterize your upbringing and kind of the home you grew up in as one that, um, had a, a Christian background? Definitely.
2: Um, I was so fortunate to have, um, parents that love the Lord and our family was very, very close knit. I mean, still is, but, um, you know, my, 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 my dad's parents lived in Southern Oregon. My mom's parents lived, um, on Mercer Island right by us, um, for the majority of our childhood. And, uh, my, both, you know, my grandma and grandpa were, are solid believers mm-hmm. and, uh, and, um, it's, uh, they just, it, it was christ's presence was it was there, his presence was there, and it's just in the way that they acted in the way that you know my parents did things and lived their life you know as a young child you don't really know what to distinguish it as, but when you come to know the Lord, then you see like no that's the Lord and that's mm-hmm. and that's that's jesus and and that's kind of the best way to characterize it and it was uh I grew up in that home and it was uh,
0: it was awesome take me a step further. how could you feel kind of christ's presence you know i
2: i i um peace is something we've always worked on um my dad's always my, my dad's a military guy earned his way um you know went to you know earned his way to college and my mom's constant you know they 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 worked for everything um and i i think a piece and i think of the context of it and not to say that there was a peace, yeah. but it was a lot of work and like you know mm-hmm. almost pride yourself on like uh, uh how fast can we not fast can we get something done but like you know Man, how much can we get done, right? So, it it was more you could see Christ more in the sense of uh, generosity. Um, Our house was always opened up; people were always at our house. Family was always there. Friends were always there. Um, You know, I always remember my mom and grandma. If anything ever needed to get done, they did it. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of thought that was the norm. And then you kind of grow up and you see, not to you know make anybody else's parents or seem you know, but you go out and you go, wow, like that's really special. Like that's, that's being a servant of the Lord. And that's, you know, um, I mean, my father, I remember when I was nine years old, I told him, Hey dad, we were playing little league. And, um, and, uh, I said, you know, there's whatever little league, you know, it's like we were in Bellevue Thunderbird and it was, uh, the teams are selected, right? Like yeah. it's based on skill level, but I remember saying like, dad, I want to play with my friends and I want to keep playing baseball. Like it's May and it's over. And like, the Mariner season just started. Why are we done? You know? And he's like you want to keep playing? Like, sure. So he got all my best friends together and he just coached a team. And Mm. that from nine years old to eighteen years old, that was the summer team I played on until I went to college, right? So it's like little things like that, like just being a giving his time. You know, my mom always doing whatever, and it's you saw Christ in that, and it's like, wow,
0: that's that was that was really special. So almost a servant heart? Yes, completely. Sacrificial hearts. Yes, exactly. And where did sport come into it? You mentioned baseball there at a young age. Yeah. Did you feel at a young age, man, this baseball thing is something I really want to do and pursue.
2: Completely. But I, I played hockey at the same time too. I mean, I played
0: all sports, you know,
2: I played football, basketball, but hockey and baseball were the two that never, never wavered. They were hockey for 13 years till my sophomore year of high school and kind of at the pinnacle of my game. And I stopped there just cause there's only so far you can go in the geographical area of Seattle. And I didn't want to go to prep school and want, but definitely sports were always a big thing and uh, commitment. Um, whatever you do, you go at it with your full heart. Um, something my dad always instilled in me. I remember doing multiplication tables with him and just being like over it. And, and you know, you're not giving the same effort that you did when you did the first one. You got to come back to this. And like, I remember there just rubbing my hands through my head as probably a little 12 year old or whatever, really frustrated, but you know, it's like probably younger than that. But, uh, uh, but that's what, like, that's what it was. That's how he, he instilled those qualities in me in baseball in life and everything and in, in in Christ too you know it's all there's there's no dividing lines right it's just who you are as a person it's it's, it's everything and that's that
0: was it when you were 9 10 12 yeah. and dad starts to coach this little league team yeah. did he did you really feel like you know what i've got an opportunity to in a gift to really do this um
2: it depends on who you ask. You ask me, I was like, "Oh, 100%, I'm going to take Randy Johnson and Kangaroo Jr.'s role, you know. I'm going to play center field and be the number one starter." Perfect. Um, but uh <laughs> but you know, I mean, it really like I don't think it was until like age 13, 14 that I really started separating myself. Like I had I had glimpses of it, but I mean, I was chubby, I was uncoordinated, knock kneed you know, like um I, I you know, like I go back and I always name these things like, "Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, w- I was good, and my dad would be like, honestly, you were like the fourth or fifth talented on our team. Like, like just looking back, I would have never told you that, but uh, but he pushed me, right? Like, mm-hmm. I remember it was my dad was always like a hard coach. Everyone thought that, but then it was ten times harder for me. And mm-hmm. I loved, I I loved that. I responded to that because that was the toughest coach I ever had. Um, but uh, but yeah, I always believed it, and that was the kind of thing where it was like. He's like, it wasn't until college, high school that you separated yourself. But, and, and I hate talking like this, it's, but about myself in the sense that like, he just said I always worked harder. It just made me work harder. That was what, mm. and I, I, I didn't know any different. That's just what, yeah. you know, there was a net in the backyard and I was going to go hit into it and there was, a, and I was going to go throw into it. And that's um, like, it was, it was fun to me.
0: How did faith play a role in that? Right, that's always yeah. the tension. And that's the yeah. beautiful thing about this podcast. And we call it the intersection of faith and sports. Yeah. And as you're talking, quite honestly, I was thinking back to Steve Largent, who sat in that same seat. Oh, right wow. <laughs> yeah. Sat in that same seat right under that clock uh, that you're sitting under. And I remember I teed him up on a question thinking for sure he was gonna take me down this this clay road in Oklahoma of outworking everybody. And just being grittier and tougher. And, yeah. and he didn't. Yeah. And in fact, his home was one of total brokenness. Really? His dad left him. His second dad was an alcoholic. Like it was not a home that you're talking about where yeah. there was just this drive and this work ethic and this mm-hmm. commitment. And yet there's just like this beautiful conflict and tug of war, right? Mm-hmm. Between faith and sport. Like where is that Oh, I'm gonna work. Yeah. I'm gonna be the hardest worker. I'm gonna outwork yeah. everybody. It's gonna all be about our our yeah. work. Yet also like there's this grace yeah right there's gifting so how did those intersect in home and how did that intersect in your own your own personal journey
2: you know i think when you're younger uh, for me i was very immature even although i mean in in college and and in pro ball um you know as you kind of mature and in your in christ in your walk and god grows you right he uses experiences to grow you he uses everything it's all it I mean, that, that's what scripture says, right? Sure. If it's, it's all, he's going to use everything for his good. Nothing, not everything that, that comes is necessary for him, but it's all used for the good of the kingdom. And I think about, um, and I might be taking this question a little bit, a different direction than you thought, but like, uh, I just remember working hard in high school and I remember thinking, okay, like play for the Lord, play for Christ. And that's a great catchphrase. That's a, you know, that's, that's, that's audience something. Audience of one. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Play for an audience of one. Um, but I, I, that took on a new meaning as time went on. And it went from, okay, I'm going to work as hard as I can work. I'm going to work as hard as I can push myself to the point where I'm called to this. And that was just like a whole another level. That's a whole other sector, right? And that keeps taking on meaning day by day. I, I have no clue where tomorrow is going to be. I don't know at all. I'm learning every single day, every single minute at the second that that changes, Um I need to have a self-evaluation and really look in the mirror. But like as a young age, it took on something different. Like, okay, you know, I'm going to work hard and play hard. And it's in, and I'm, I'm going to remember that I, I do it for Jesus. Well, yeah, if you ask little 13, 14-year-old me, it's like, okay, well, what's that mean though? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, uh, I don't know, you know, but that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But then you take it on going forward and then the balance changes because you understand now I'm called to baseball. Um, I'm called to, to play for everything that I have to play with he's given me this opportunity if there is any bit of that 100 percent of Matt Boyd that's not there then I'm not truly answering that call if my mind is in the future or on the last pitch mm. that's not where his grace is perfected it's right now if my mind if, if, if nothing if it's not all called to what that that, that the purpose is and that's going to change it's parenting one day or one minute it's you know, punching out the three hole hitter on one team, one minute. And it's in the weight room sometimes, or it's being a husband to my, you know, however I need to be a servant to my, my wife. Um, like it's, it's just evolved in that sense.
0: Were there moments that you can look back on now? You're what? 28 now. Are there moments you can look back on that journey now and go, oh man, that really refined that
2: man. Um, I remember going to school at Oregon state. Um, I wasn't, uh, I was never the top recruit. Like, I wanted to go to UW so bad. And I remember the day that the recruiting coordinator told me, you're our third first baseman and and pitcher, but you can come. We'll give you a walk-on, preferred walk-on spot, but but you're not our first choice. And, like, so I I just remember not being – I was never the top-notch guy, but I went to Oregon State. They offered me – they were defending national champs. I could play first and pitch. So, you know, it was – four hours from home, it's closer than Wazoo, You know, um, it was like, this is this is what I want to do. Northwest baseball, represent the Northwest. I wanna go win a national title. And uh I um I re- you know, freshman year went by, it was awesome. Soft Soph- you know, I was an all American, uh pitched and hit. Like it, just, it it all went really well. Sophomore year, I got to play on Team USA. Um like first pack twelve pack Pac twelve that was the first year of the Pac mm-hmm. twelve like all honors, whatever, um, Cape Cod, Team USA junior year was the draft year. I was a draft eligible. And I remember it kind of shifting. And I remember those kind of like the, the I was playing for the Lord, everything. I, I, there was no focus on anything else. I couldn't put words to that, but it was just truly in the moment. Those first two years, the junior year, um, baseball started defining who I was. It was at the, it was at points where I, I came in and, there was these expectations. Oh, I played on Team USA, so I'm going to be a top-round pick now, you know? Like, I think I'm pretty good. I should be starting. I shouldn't be in the bullpen because I was always a reliever. Um, While well, I came in, I was back in the bullpen, um, and I started re- realizing that the shift went to baseball was something I did to baseball started defying me. And I couldn't put words to that till near the end of the year. I remember one point where I we had like a midweek series against Nevada, and like Nevada, nothing, Nevada's had a lot of good ball players. I have a few friends that were on the team, but they weren't very good compared to Pac-12 schools. Right. And I went to Reno and I gave up six earned runs and it was back to back outings. I only went two outs in both of them. I gave up six earned runs. I never given up three runs in an outing in my college career to that point. And, um, I just remember being so angry. Um, I was a different person after bad games as I was to good games. And, um, which in hindsight is like the complete i mean that's 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 not who we're called to as believers that's mm-hmm. not who we're called to as in, in any sense and uh i remember that point so the season goes on and i remember near the end of the year we we weren't we weren't a good team we were a good team but we weren't as good as we were the year before that was like you know like top three in the nation and um, we went to uh so we went to l s u for a regional l s u is a you know big college powerhouse and we took him to the final game of the regional and we lost and uh There were a few things that happened over that loss but the the weeks leading up to it, I remember saying man they get whoever drafts me, they give me a plane ticket i 'm out of here I want to go start my career and go play for me and you know get to the big leagues because i know i 'm going to make it. I always believed that I was going to make it I knew it was it's it was I know people want to throw around the word anointing, but like I I knew it. I knew that that was what God was calling me to. Like it wasn't even a question. But at that point, it started becoming a question. And that's where the difference between understanding like what I'm called to and what baseball is and defining me. And so draft day comes around, you know, um, all the scouts meet. I'm sure it's the same in football. They say, hey, we're going to see you in this round of this round. And a lot of them blow smoke. You know, they're just trying to sugarcoat you and they're trying to get your expectations on what to sign for. And, um, it comes around and, uh, the first round goes and I see all my team say, guys start to go off and then the next eight rounds go. And then the draft ends at the 10th round. And I'm like, I didn't, I got like three phone calls. Like I wasn't getting a lot of interest at all. Um, what's going on? And then the 11th, the 12th and the 13th round finally comes around and, uh, I get called by the Reds and, um, they say, Hey, we want you to start. Um, we'll give you uh like the max that they can after the tenth round. So like we'll give you this dollar amount, and we'll give you three quarters of school because that's we need to graduate. And that was my promise to my parents. If I was gonna leave early, I was gonna go back and get my degree. I said, okay, done deal. Sounds good. And they they draft me. Um, I remember after that, sitting on the couch, and going, man, um, what just happened? Like, what was mm. like this doesn't does this feel right? So I remember praying like, God, if I'm not supposed to do this, just give me a sign. Just make it clear to me. And I mean, our stubbornness of the flesh, right? Like 24 hours come, the guy shows up, makes, calls me again, Rick Engels, says, I'd love to come the next day. Um, we got uh, the, the dollar amount and we got um, one quarter of school. And not, unrealizing that that was the answer to my prayer the day before, I'm like, oh, we, we agreed on three quarters. Oh yeah, 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 totally. Let me just go back to the and director and come back. And the quarters of school is like this college scholarship program that mm-hmm. it's not even the team's money. I don't think it's it's like this general pool from the league that they give to help entice people to sign early, and then they'll pay for school to you to come back essentially on a full sure. ride because baseball's only got eleven point seven. You know, it's it's not a full scholarship sport. Um, so he so it shouldn't have been a big deal, right? Well, he comes back the next day and he says, "Well, uh." our scouting director is taking a hard line and, uh, um, we, uh, we only want to give one quarter and like finals just ended. So I'm like on my way home and I'm like, okay. And I had hired an agent at the time, kind of not an agent, advisor. Didn't hire him. It was yeah. not breaking any NCAA rules here. Yeah. yeah.
0: Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Statue of limitations. Yeah, exactly. of <laughs> Oregon uh, State's yeah. going on baseball probation exactly and the button beyond podcast has been <laughs> shut down for perpetuity. Oh my
2: gosh. Yeah. Misspoke of so a speech communication major. I didn't. Yeah. I'm How did he delete all over. that? Yeah, Please, exactly. All yeah. That. Um, so you had an advisor. Yeah. So I had an, an advisor. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it's not who I'm with today, but, um, you know, it just, uh, like they, he was kind of like, I don't really know what to do. Hmm. Um, and my dad, you know, have my best interest in mind. He's getting all worked up. And so I'm back home with them at this point, like, well, this is, we're kind of at an impasse. Like, and then I remember sitting in the backyard, getting my arm going again, thrown into that same net I was grew up in. Mm. And our backyard's like, you know, maybe at this point, the 100 feet that was, it was long, it was probably down to 60 feet because my dad put a garden in and <laughs> he's, you know, all this stuff. But uh, I'm thrown into this net and I'm going, like, this is that answer to prayers. This is that answer to that prayer. So I call up uh, Kelly Nicholson. He was my coach in uh, the Cape Cod League the year before, and I said, "Hey Kelly, um, I want to come out there and pitch, but I'm only come out. I'm only going to come out if I can start." Because I had this calling, like I'm going to start, mm. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back and start. And uh, I just felt really called to, and I knew that it probably wasn't going to work. It, I, there was a lot of hurdles to go through because we had a all-American freshman, all-American that started really like in the spot that i thought i was going to start that year and we had a guy that was on team usa as a starter and then we had like one of the top picks that was coming into his junior year Mm. um they were all returning i was in the bullpen again and and uh pat casey right before i left the the coach at oregon state sat me down and told me you know there's we haven't hit all you that you, there's more in you and I want you to come. I want you to come back and we'll, we'll bump up the scholarship, but I want you to lead us to Omaha. I said, case I want to start. He goes, I can't promise you that I said. And I remember saying to him, you don't need to, I'm going to start. And he had, uh, and he kind of liked that. I think he kind of took three years to kind of get that out of me. But, um, but you know, wouldn't you know it? Like, unfortunately a guy that's in the big leagues now, his name was Jace Fry. He was a freshman all American. He hurt himself in that regional and, three days later, after I was already said I was going to go to Cape Cod, um, he had Tommy John. So a spot opened up and I just remember like, dad, this is the call. Like before not talking about Jace, but after that phone call with Chris, it was like, I'm supposed to go back. So I did, um, went out to Cape, to Cape became a all-star out there in the Cape kind of got recognized as a starter for the first time. And I just remember saying like, it came down that there's like the deadlines, like two months after it's in August, might have been in July then. Um, yeah, it probably was in July. And I remember saying like, the deadline came around and they called back and it was like, "I'm sorry, Rick, I'm, I'm not. There's there's zero chance I'm signing. Like it's, mm. it's a done deal. I'm supposed to go back to school." And the things, the fruit that God provided out of that, I forgot the even question, the original question that you asked, but like I did too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, so much better. Yeah, no. yeah, but but like the fruit that was provided out of yeah. that that year, I show up and it's like hey Matt you're going to start. And in my mind I'm like I'm going to start on Friday. Cuz the weekend series in college baseball it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday when you play the the other conference. You play the teams in the in the conference. And I'm going to start on Friday. And like I knew it was kind of a long shot still but not in my mind it wasn't. And uh I was like I told the pitching coach and I was like hey I'm not going to pitch in the fall. I'm going to we'll start building. He's like you no, know, we'll build you up to the season. You don't need to pitch in the fall ball we'll build you up to the season. And I was like, we're going to do double day workouts. I'm going to go to the gym at night, build up my legs and we'll do the team lifts in the morning. And then every night I'll do other stuff to build endurance. Cause I don't have endurance apparently, you know, cause I was in the pen and like I learned that year on the baseball side. I learned to be a starter. I learned so many things. I learned a new pitch, a slider, which is now kind of my bread and butter. Um, like I, we want a pack 12 title. Um, I got to start for the first time in my career. We went um, we went to Omaha. We were you know, we were in the final four teams. Uh so many amazing things happened. Um but the coolest thing out of all and like, you know, I mean, the accolades or whatever, but God did so many things that year. That in it, but I met my wife that year. I saw three teammates come to Christ. Um I got my degree. Like all these things that kind of fell into motion. Mm-hmm. I truly grew up more in that one year than the three years leading up to it. And that was just God preparing me for a plethora of things. I mean, and the, and the biggest one meeting my wife who, I mean, we've changed each other's lives. So she's changed my life. She's made me, she was one of the most influential people in my walk. Cause at that point just being kind of in this pliable state, really hungry, not thinking, not even looking. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to get, find a girlfriend or anything. I'm just, I know what I need to do. I need to I'm know what I'm called to. And, I met her and it was, you know, she has grown me in my faith so much in that sense that she challenged me early on about what I was playing for and mm-hmm. in ways that I never would have ever realized. And it's just, it's so cool to see how that completely unfolded. And, and, you know, and then I got drafted in the sixth round by the blue Jays that year to an organization that wanted me as a starter. And,
0: mm. um, you know,
2: like, The rest was
0: history after that. we go back to that time where right before the decisions made, where you had prayed and said, Lord, I just, like like all of us do. Yeah. (laughs) He's always available. And yet he just, man, it's not until we're right up against it so many times that we just finally say, okay, Lord, give me that sign. Like, what do you, and then even then, you know, the phone call comes and it was a changed con, right? I mean. Yeah you'd gotten that sign and yet you went home and you're still battling you're still thrown in the net you're still figuring it out when was there peace was there a was yeah. there a moment there that it was like okay cuz people are making yeah. those decisions people yeah. assuredly are listening <laughs> to this right now yeah right in their marriages in their jobs what is yeah. god's will for me what am i supposed to do should i take this job should i move the family should we right yeah totally when and where did that peace start to just yeah.
2: I got excited and started bouncing around that whole story. But yeah, I I remember the moment and I, I it was the draft happened. It was like the last day of finals. Um, you know, I prayed uh, a day later. He called a day later. I went home. So it's like three days after the first day I got drafted. Um, I was at home. I spent about at that point. And so it's, it's close to a week after mm-hmm. I just remember sitting there going, this is it. This is the answer. This is the answer to the prayer. Like, I'm not supposed to go play. Mm. I'm supposed to go play in Cape Cod right now. I'm supposed to go back to school. Mm. It was pretty clear. It was very clear. Was and really I just clear. remember sitting there in the backyard, and I remember calling my dad at work, like, "Hey, dad, um, I'm going back to school. Go to Cod right now become a starter. I'm going to go back to school." Mm. He's like, "I'm with you, buddy. Like, mm. I think that's the best thing to do. Like, you're called to that. I'm like, I, I am. Mm. It doesn't matter what they say now."
1: And what like, what did you yeah. think he was going to say like when you're going through this whole process like yeah. your relationship with him he's coached you your whole life yeah. he's been your hardest coach what did you anticipate his role what he was going to think about you making these decisions
2: well he was papa bear right and i remember like it was probably the fourth phone call with the with the scout the scout was done with us he's like i'm just going to send you right to the scouting director and the scouting director called called me and it's like <laughs> matt boyd this is this scouting director and uh not not you know Mm -hmm. he he's a great guy i think we we talked in the past but i remember and it was kind of blew my he kind of was ready to blow my hair back i just remember giving the phone to my dad like and my and and my dad was heard it and he was already reaching for it like papa bear coming out and and he they. uh I don't want to say got into it, but he was kind of demeaning was saying like, and I was on, he, I could hear it. And he's like, if you don't sign, he's never going to make it to the big leagues and he's never going to do, this is the best opportunity we're giving him. You know, they're, they're putting the hard press on you. And, uh, and it was that next day that I, I said that. And my dad, it was like, when he said that he was, my dad had my back, like, you know, he's like, if you're called to that, go for it. It was like, yeah. Cause that was something that I was, this was my dream. I'm sure it was my dad's dream too, you know, like in in a sense that like we shared that vision, not that he was pushing me towards it, but it was like, man, you know, you do this to have fun. And I know that we're sitting at the kingdom and I'm watching King Griffey out there and, and like, you know, then a safe go at that point. Right. Like, um, for a long time, but like, I'm sitting there going like, I remember sitting there in college going, I can pitch for them right now. I can pitch for them right now. You know, like, I know how to get these guys out. Like, just seeing it, like, it's just, it was natural. So, like, when he, when he said that, it was like, yeah, like, okay, Mm. perfect.
0: And then you do transition. The Blue Jays draft you in the sixth round. Yeah. And now you transition. Um, Did you get engaged fairly quickly? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. (laughs) It was like, we, we, yeah,
0: yeah. It was, I mean, it was like, better to marry than die in lust. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, (laughs) you know, I met Ashley and it was, it was clear that that was the person I wanted to spend my life with. And she didn't know anything about baseball, which was a blessing too. Mm -hmm. I probably didn't know how crazy I was, but, um, but it was like, it was, uh, at the end I, so I went out for my first year pro ball and they sent me right to low which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had mono I was pitching through mono the last two months of the college season and I didn't realize it and College World series hit and like the day after I had a big game I was like my last and it'd be my last college start i I slept until one o'clock the next day. I remember being at um being at practice because it was an off day in Omaha and sitting there um like the best way to describe it was it felt like I was drunk at practice and I couldn't lift my arm up because it, it was I just my whole body just ached wow. and and anyway so i had i showed up late to the season i i, I jump around a lot it's like, that's fine yeah 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 <laughs> yes, oh. don't worry yeah not. yeah yeah
0: but um that's the beauty of this podcast so
2: like i need to recover right so yeah. i spent um between signing with the blue jays at the um and the end of the world series it was like one month and we told them i was like hey i have because i do 130 and they're like there's no rush like we're going to agree to terms just take your time and I was, like, bedridden for a good portion of it. So I end up signing. They sent me right to low A, though, which was awesome because it was all guys that were from the draft class ahead of me, the draft mm-hmm. class I should have been a part of. So then it's like, and then my first game, ironically, is against the Reds team. The whole draft class that I played against, that was, wow. I would have been a part of. Um, I only, I'm only there two weeks or something, and then I get sent to high A and finish the year in high A. And that's, like, that's a step away from double A. Guys get taken from double A, right? So that year we get engaged that off season, and then we spend the whole next year, which was probably one of the toughest years of my career, um, going between high A and double A, mm-hmm. and you know my wife visiting, mm-hmm. and uh, and I just kind of get I like was video game numbers in high A double A I get my teeth kicked in, and my faith was really tested at that point. Mm-hmm. We're engaged making no money. Mm-hmm. Um, she's on the West coast. I'm on the East coast in Manchester, New Hampshire and Dunedin, Florida. And, uh, like <laughs> not Seattle. And, uh, and, uh, like, you know, we're just kind of like, I go up to, I go up to double a and get my face mopped. I, like they're mopping me, my mopping the floor with my face, just like guys that are big league time, you know? And I'm just like, Am I ready for this? I think I had like a six and a half in double A mm-hmm. and a one two in high A. And it was like tail of two different pitchers. And um I like so I end up going into the off season. I have surgery um to get a bone chip removed. Um and uh um I uh we get married that off season too. And along with it, I reach out to my college pitching coach Nate Yeski, and I asked them, Hey, uh I remember there's this guy that played on my dad's summer team that's down there right now. He was 92. He threw hard. Um, his name was John Pomeroy. I go, he came back for Christmas, and he's throwing 98 miles per hour now. What happened? He's like, we're doing this weighted ball program called Driveline. Mm. Um, I was like, can you connect me with the guy? So I, I'm i just, in my mind, I'm like, I need to get better. I, what I'm doing isn't going to work. So I remap my arm, and I come out the next year. Instead of throwing 88, 90, I'm throwing 91, 95. and. Everybody's eyes kind of perk up at spring training, right? And I'm healthy. They were expecting me to be rehabbing. Um, God led me to that in that same sense, too. But mm. uh, bounce around, though. Yeah, we got, going back, though, the most important part, we got married that off season, And it was truly kind of an act of faith in the sense that, like, she had just found her job, her dream job. She was working for an organization called Remember New, mm. um, which is ending the child sex trade through prevention and develop in, uh, in countries across the world and she could work remotely so if we could go together i could work remote she could work remotely wherever baseball is going to take us chasing her dream mm. as i was chasing mine um but she was on support but her support was more than what we were making as minor leaguers so <laughs> she you know like um and uh it was uh it was a trying year mm-hmm. but it was like not in the sense of trying it would be trying from culture standards but mm-hmm. like I just remember and he just had us the whole way. And that's just like, we lived in a little single wide the first off, that off season. And we loved it. You know, it was just newlyweds. Well, you know, right? yeah, I'm hopping a fence, going to throw a long toss on the field by like, you know, Issaquah high school. Um, and I'm like, uh, I'm just doing this way to ball program. I'm starting to throw harder. And it's like, people were probably like, in my mind, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm, I got, Scott's preparing me for this. I got this. Mm-hmm. And, I'm sure in reality I was showing up to spring training as a guy that had a six and a half ERA in double a the year before. Yeah. And like, everyone's like, what's going to happen. But like his faithfulness came through, right? Like, and it, I mean, it always does. He had a perfect plan for me. And like, I put up video game numbers in double a and, um, they leave me there a little longer this year to make sure it's not, you know, it, and, uh, we end up getting sent up to triple a, but I just remember, uh, in May of that year, June, right? Big early June. Um, mm-hmm. we got down to like I think $500 in our name, and uh, we were sitting there. I was, I was doing a, I was taking pictures with the mascot every game with little kids for their birthdays, getting like gift cards, like a $20 gift card to like Cactus Jacks or something like that. Just like, we can eat dinner today, or we can eat lunch today. Here we go, you know, and yeah. like doing everything we can. I pause, you just pause right yeah. there.
0: Are you all hear that out there? Like, this is. Again, I think just a just a reminder of just this amazing journey that it takes, and how hard that journey can be. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, look at you, Mercer Island guy. Oh, everything works out for you. Look how yeah. easy, right? Right. It's just that the yeah. cover of that book. Oh, now you're a major leaguer, and mm-hmm. but the pages of that book. Just listen yeah. to that. You're having to take pictures with the team mascot yeah, to an Applebee's gift yeah. card or Cactus Jack. <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you're just down to it. You're living in a single wide, hopping yeah. the fence yeah. at a high school to play. I mean, yeah. these are some years of toiling and yet yeah, yeah. you probably look back at them now and go, oh, thank Your you joy. Lord, for yeah. those, yeah. for the joy of those years. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's exactly, it's just, it's the world and culture would tell you those are situations of striving And it's like, I mean, God's faithfulness. He was like, he he provided, he always provides, he always provides. It's just, it's that that verse, be still and know. Like the concept of knowing has changed. That verse took on something different in high school. It took on something different four years ago. It takes on something completely different now. And it's truly in the sense of like, I mean, sidetracking like, are you striving? Like, what is striving? Mm Mm-hmm is is when you're putting your, your whole mind through the vet of like God's word and, and through the heart of Jesus and the spirit, like it's either it's black or white, it's Jesus or it's not Jesus. And if it's not Jesus, it's it's of flesh, it's of Satan. And not to be harsh, but that's exactly it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, like you're sitting there and going, okay. I look back now and I just thank God that he had the perspective I did because times I look back and I go, why was I not panicking? Like, but like, I just like, we we were giving our first fruits to the Lord there. And even though we didn't have anything. And I remember the day that we put, we were like, you know what? We have to pay off this credit card. We're called to pay it off. And we paid it off. And we're like, I remember calling my agent saying, Hey, if there's anything that you can, I can find some sort of money in any other way, please like, you know, I'm all ears for it. And, uh, um, that eventually led me to my next agent, which in a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, who's been a blessing? Another thing from from the Lord, like so many little things intertwined in this in this season of life. But like yep. that day that we did that, I got called up the AAA, and we made three hundred or four hundred dollars more a month, wow. and that was the difference to for a lot of things. Right? Wow. We could do the we could do the car payment. We could do this. You know, it was it was awesome. I was yeah. like, wow! Like, thank you, Lord! Like,
0: you're faithful. Yeah
2: two weeks after that, we got called to the big leagues and that was another pay jump. And it was like, wow, we can actually pay the credit card off now. We don't have to just do the, the minimum. And it's like, you know, little things like we actually can start saving for the off season. I don't have to work because I was working. I remember like that same off season, I was working from two thirty when the kids got out of school to nine o'clock doing lessons. I'd train in the morning and then do the lessons. And mm. it was awesome. The first month before we were married, I live with my parents. They, you know, they they took care of me in that sense, but once I got married, I was on my own, and I just we saved up all this because I made more in the I made more in a few months in the off season than I did in for years. the seven months of this yeah, yeah both years of minor league ball. So God just continued to be faithful in that, right? And like, you know, I mean, a few months later, we got traded to the Tigers, which was a blessing. But just to backtrack, Ashley chasing her dream in that has led to now her starting a nonprofit called kingdom home. And I mean, together we did it, but like you just, I don't know if you, I'm just like picturing just the tree. Right. And I'm just picturing that initial seed. And it's like, it's like the parable of the mustard seed, right? Like, you know, you're going to be given abundance. Not that I'm praising myself in this sense. That's not what I'm saying. It's just how great is God in this, in this sense that like the, I keep saying culture of the world. They'll look at that and say, man, there was nothing there. There was no hope in reality. Sixth round senior sign. You know, you're, why, why are you even doing this? You should probably go use that degree for something good, right?
0: From Eighty-eight to ninety-one, a six and a half ERA, and you <laughs> did get up to double A. Yeah. you're not going to make
2: it. Yeah, exactly. Just go
0: do something else. Make sure you have a backup plan. Yeah,
2: exactly, right. And it's like, but from that, like, just so much came from it. So mm-hmm. much. He just continues to provide, or it's where he continues to provide to the sense where you go. You know what? I don't know what tomorrow's going to
0: bring. And as we're doing this interview, by the way, yeah. and as we're talking, your name still comes up in trade reports, right? Your yeah. name, uh, last year, we're supposed to be a, maybe a New York Yankee, right? <laughs> you have a 180 innings, you pitch for the Tigers, you pitch really well, back-to-back seasons that you've been able to stay healthy and, and have your opportunity in the bigs. And yet, as we sit here, you have no idea where you could be tomorrow.
2: No, but... I know that God's grace is perfected right now. Uh, Like, what's that verse in Matthew? Don't worry about, don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough worries of its own. I mean, his grace is perfected right now and he's going to provide for everything that is needed right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, and and it's, and it's be still and know that I am God. Know that he is in control. Like, how do you know? Where does that, where does that depth come from? Right? Um, Like, am I sitting here going, (laughs) You know this is something it may seem really funny, but it's like okay we have a four we have a four month old or five month old now and a two and a half year old at home okay well it's it's three twenty one nap time's just ended like and this is a weird example, but like Lord, like let that like you're praying let 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 them wake up at separate times, so it's just so easy for my wife at home, and that she can get all the work she can mm-hmm. done before for you know, and it's like now am I going to sit here and strive in that thought cuz that's not of the fruit of the spirit. That's not truly knowing that God's going to let this come through. Mm. It may not answer the prayer directly, but he's going to bring something good and beneficial from it for everyone in that. So am I knowing that mm. or am I sitting here? And that's that's on a that's a smallest little spectrum, but that's that's to anything.
0: But when you go out and you're pitching opening day and you do your warm-ups and you get ready to pitch the opening pitch, it's the same thought, right? Completely. Lord, just give me this pitch, yeah. right? And then yeah. especially in your profession, yeah. whatever happens to that previous pitch, it better be flushed before the next pitch. <laughs> that's exactly it. Good or bad. Good or bad. And that's exactly it.
2: What am I called to? What is What is what? What is he calling me to? What am what? what do I do? That's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. What do I do? And for me, I attack. I attack one pitch at a time. It may sound a little extreme, but when I'm at home, I'm it's dinner time. I'm going to attack making dinner. If I've got to clean my kid's diaper, I'm attacking that diaper, and that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it with all I have. Now, if there's a little bit be- of me that's not there, that's when you have to step back and go,
0: mm.
2: and like, what do I call? What am I called to? And what do I? What do I do? Mm. Am I doing that? No. Why am I not doing that? And that's when you understand. It's like, that's when you have the you have to have the 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 wherewithal to go. Like, do I not want to clean this diaper? Like, is this a storm? Could I be doing something else? And it's like, no, I didn't. And I'll put it's a little easier in the sense of baseball because someone catching on halfway may not understand it. But it's like, (laughs) you know, like that guy just made an error behind me, and it's like, you have a choice to that. Is it? Are you wishing not to be in this situation right now with a guy on first and Mike Trout at the plate? No, that's not me. Okay, well, that's step back. That's not. That's not what you're called to. What Mm -hmm. am I called to? I'm gonna attack on this pitch. I don't know what's gonna happen. I could dot a perfect pitch and he could hit it ten rows deep. The umpire could call a ball. He could hit a it could be a swing and miss and the catcher clank it and the guy advances. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know what I'm called to, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. And anything outside of that is just a storm. Mm. And the reality, I'm not afraid of storms. Like, that's what I'm prepared for. Bring it on, because I know what I'm gonna do in the midst of it. I know what I'm called to, whether it's at home or on the field or anywhere in between. That's what the Lord has called me to. That's my calling and what I have been anointed for. And yeah, it may not always be that way, but I know when that anointing changes and what my calling changes, well, then I'll go do that too, full of what he's filled me with. And there's nothing more than that. And that's perfectly fine.
0: As we wrap here, can you um, pour out... Your wonderful wife Ashley's Kingdom Home. Yeah, is that is that yeah, the name yeah, of the yeah. foundation, and where the yeah. heart of that and yeah. where that's going.
2: Yeah. So, um, like I said, my uh wife was a uh, kind of the story around Kingdom Home. She was working for an organization called Remember New. Their goal is to end child sex trafficking through prevention. Mm. Um, through just an awesome story of God's faithfulness in this, right? She felt called. She worked with the organization. We went to Thailand. Um, she got to work remotely, but we went to Thailand as a couple, saw the whole scope of it. Um, for me, it was eye-opening. We saw the darkness of the red light district in Bangkok. We would, we come in and you see advertisements for little boys and girls just in broad daylight. And you're like We're four blocks from the hotel. Like what the heck? There's so much evil in this. But then when we go to the villages and you see the villages that people live off of 10 cents a week. And you go, okay, well, this is where the children are coming from. And if they're orphaned, they have one parent. They're living with a sibling or a relative. They're like, at, I, I think it's like 75% like chance of going into the sex trade in some capacity, right? So someone comes and says, hey, we'll give you a job in the, the city and we'll pay you $5 a week and you can send the money home. And it's like, oh, yeah, we'll take this child. Yeah, go for it. Because we can't provide for the other ones because there's only one parent, right? So it's more of a desperate need for parents to do this. So, but we see that side of it. But then we saw the children's homes where children's have these children that may not have a future. Now they have their own bed, three meals a day. They learn God's love and they're having, they're being equipped for the future Mm. to go make a choice for what they want to do, who they want to marry later on in life. Mm. That really struck me. I was like, didn't know this was such an issue. Um, going kind of forward in that. Um, a few years, my wife loves the job. You know, she's living her dream out at the same time. We have our daughter and she's about six months old and she goes, you know, the off season rolls around and Ashley goes, you know, I don't feel, I feel like I'm supposed to step away. I was like, are, are you sure? This is what you've always wanted to do. And she goes, I love everything about it, but God's calling me to something else and I'm not supposed to jump into something else right away. Hmm. I just need to be faithful with this. I'm like, well. Hey, like well, I'm pray for you in that and like you know we did and I was like, "Hey, th- go for it. If he's calling you to that, you got to do it." So she did it. It didn't really make a lot of sense. Um but through we had, you know, gosh, this is a long story, but yeah,
0: I don't cool. know how, time, how how much well, time good. is on the podcast. Is it okay? No. Okay. We can make five podcasts. <laughs> <probably>.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, um so we had, the off season goes on. She, we're, we're parenting, getting ready for the 2018 season, still got to make a team that year, you know, Mm. still inconsistent, um, on the field. Uh, but anyways, at Christmas we meet with her, uh, her boss, uh, her boss just to catch up. And around the same time, Ashley and I are going, okay, God's calling us out to, to serve the gospel. We've kind of served it in our comfort, but that's not how he calls us. Mm. So where is he calling us to? And for me, we're like, okay, well, let's pray. But we'll, if he's leading us somewhere, we'll go answer that prayer wherever that will be. Like, so let's pray about it. So we pray for a month about it. And for me, it's Venezuela and Africa, I'm very broad. But you know, I'm. Uh, and for Ashley, it's Uganda. And I ask her, is that in Africa? And I was like, oh, that, that was on my heart, like perfect. <laughs> so let's go there. So like, okay. In the future, 2018, Thanksgiving, we're going to go to Africa. God will make it clear what we're supposed to do there. Mm. So rewind back to Christmas. Ashley and I meet with her former you know, boss, Carl, and we're talking, and I just kind of chirp up. I go, we're going to go to Africa next year. (laughs) He goes, no way. Or I said, we're going to go to Uganda. He goes, no way. We just opened two children's homes there. Do you want to come with us? I was like, look at Ashley. We're like, yeah, that's a perfect, like, you know we're going over Thanksgiving. And it's like, so are we, you know, so it's a done deal. And he looks at us, he goes, you know, I'm going to take a sabbatical. I haven't taken one in a long time. And I'm going to re imagine, re kind of define what I think we can do as an organization. Remember new. Um, And as you can see his wife kind of like, you're not supposed to say anybody this, we haven't told the board yet. (laughs) He goes, just don't tell anybody. But like, you know, he goes, we, uh, we can end the child sex trade, but it's kind of naive of me to think that, remember, New can do it alone. We've been at it for 10 years. 4,000 children have, um, you know, been equipped and uh, been taken out of situations where they're at risk that, you know, didn't have parents or whatnot. Um, and, uh, but um, to end this on our own, it's on a global level, it's naive. Mm-hmm. But we have a model that works you know, a model that, um, works in so many different countries. What if we equip other organizations to do this? And, uh, he goes, I just want to tell you that that's going to write a handbook on how to do this over these next five months. And I want, you know, want you to know that. And Ashley are like, Ashley and I are like, okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Probably not us. You know, we have a six month old and it's kind of crazy at the house right now. But so December rolls on, January rolls on, we get down to Florida Second day of spring training, I'm fighting with the new coaching staff or I'm not fighting with the new fighting for a spot, you know, new team, new coaching staff. No one really knows me, right? It's, it's, it's a brand new start. Essentially. Carl calls us and he goes, we got this letter from this lady named Dorothy. I get letters and requests to kind of join our organization quite frequently. All of them, you can kind of tell that there's a hidden motive, Mm -hmm. but this one matches up in a way that I've never seen before. Um, this lady is truly selfless. And basically, kind of the, the quick rundown on Dorothy, which she deserves you know, a whole segment for who she is, but she's 29 years old. Um, at the time, she was 26, 27, and uh, running a children's home of 36 girls that were either rescued from um, things in the sex trade or uh, were at risk, including her own children and paying for them on her own as a child she was um being prepared to be sold as a child bride at eight years old to her 55 year old neighbor she caught awareness of this and she ran Mm. a nun took her in taught her the love of christ and she essentially dedicated her life to not letting something like this happen to another child um so she has this huge heart well her and her husband were doing this together her husband unexpectedly passed and in ugandan culture um like, the, the husband's parents took the home, her ID card, the car. They took everything from her. Mm. Um, and she didn't have a job because her husband was providing. She had already she had left her job in order to do this. Um, so she was reaching out in need. And Ashley and I are sitting there going, Carl shows this, and she goes, would you want to partner with her? And we're like, man, I might be in the minors this year. Like, can we partner with her? And I was like, well... Do we start a non-profit so we're praying about it we're like we'll get back to you and we're praying about it And it was honestly probably three hours later and we said there's never going to be a perfect time but god provides he's going to make a way mm. and we're called to this like and ashley's like yeah we're like okay let's start a non-profit mm. and it's called kingdom home um that was started out in the beginning of 2018 with 36 children and now um we're uh Children, kingdom Homes up to 156 children and four homes. Mm. And uh we've uh I say we as Kingdom Home um p- do the generosity of God this year. Our goal was to find land. Well God provided land, um, provided, you know, more funding that we were able to take on more children. And now it's grown like we were like, okay, let's well, let's let's raise money to buy land. Well we raised money to buy land and build not only the first home but the second home already we're halfway through the third mm. and our goal is to by the end of the year to finish the third of, and provo- fun and uh raise money for the fourth so that the four current homes that are being rented all the children can go to this one land um so we just got, i just got back from my second trip to uganda a well was just donated which is so generous and uh and like god just keeps providing you know um So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So like, you know, kingdom home is what it's called. The website's kingdomhome.org. You can sponsor a child on there. You can, there's just a give page and, uh, he just keeps providing in it. And it's so cool. Like the tigers have gotten behind it. My teammates have gotten behind it. We've had a few events and the whole team has showed up and, uh, you know, guys on the team are sponsoring children. So it's just like, it's just, um, it's just amazing to see his hand in that. Just another way that he just continues to provide and make a way.
0: Yeah, it's amazing as we conclude here. As I'm looking at you, um, I'm, and you mentioned a few times when you were nine and 10, I got a little nine and 10 year old baseball player, <laughs> honestly. And as I'm looking at you, kind of weave this story of your last 20 years, yeah. it is just remarkable, right? It well, is all just, him, right? it is all him. And that's the beauty of these podcasts. I told you when you walked in here, of just, hearing God's faithfulness through us as vessels. And, you know, each one of these podcasts kind of takes her on their own lives. And this is just God's faithfulness. It's God's faithfulness. I'm so encouraged people are going to listen to this and, and hopefully um, find you and pray for you first and foremost as you're out there competing and, and just knowing that, man, as you're faithful, he's going to do more and give you more. And it may be in baseball. It may be a kingdom home. It may be in yeah. Uganda. Yeah. You know, Who knows? it may be back in a single wide, you know, hopping <laughs> the fence and playing long toss. But uh, wherever he takes you, man, God is faithful.
2: Yes, yeah, that's um, all for his glory, right? Man, thank you for having me on. Above and Beyond, the intersection of faith and sports. Subscribe to receive every episode at aboveandbeyondpodcast.com.